How do you get brand right on video? When you're producing video content, how can you make sure that that content is on brand and delivering what you want it to, to your audience? Well, hopefully my guest on this episode is gonna answer some questions around the right ways to tackle brand when it comes to video content. Welcome to Divided by Brand, the podcast aimed at entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers. If you want to learn from industry experts and you want to listen to advice about how to feel more confident with your brand, then this is the show for you. Join me as I interview inspirational individuals at different stages in their business journey. My name is Dan Ocock, I'm your host, and I'm a brand identity specialist with over 20 years experience. If you're interested to know if your own brand has all of the key ingredients to attract higher value clients, I've created a scorecard that'll help you do just that. It'll uncover if you're able to attract the right value clients, and if your brand matches your ambition. The scorecard can be found by clicking the links button in the player. Yeah, the player that you're listening on. Just click the links button and you'll get redirected straight to my scorecard. It's very quick. It's incredibly simple to use. But most of all, it should deliver you some value straight to your inbox with your own customized report, which will have marked you across six core areas of branding. And I know you'll agree. That is quite long enough for a podcast intro. Should we just start the show now? I want to say welcome to the show. Augie, we've got a, a fantastic guest on this episode. Um, and I'm, I'm going to sort of, as the show goes, gets a little bit more into it, let him explain why and how um, he's appearing on the show. But, you know, first of all, welcome to the show, Augie. It's great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. I'd love to talk a little biz right now. Absolutely. And so I, what I like to open with, I think it's a great opening question, not so much a question, but I love hearing three wins from the last two weeks for you. Now, this could be anything. It could be personal, it could be business, whatever you want to choose. It's like hearing wins, something that's gone well for you. Tell us. Sure. Uh, well, uh, in my personal life, uh, a win would be that I've just got to spend the whole weekend with my family. So I have two kids and awesome. I have a wife. And it was really one of those weekends where I woke up in the morning, got the kids up, got the breakfast going, and I was kind of doing the the daddy daycare the whole weekend, taking care of them. So that was a big win. Also did some stuff around the house, put up a mirror, cleaned up. So that's my personal life. Uh, in my business life, I would say the biggest win that we've had over the past few weeks is we have signed up a new white label client. Um, we run a video editing service called VidChops. And for that business, uh, we edit for a lot of YouTubers and stuff, but we also have some agencies that we edit for. Mm. And sometimes sometimes they sign up and white label our service. So we build out an entire uh, project management uh, software for them, a portal for them to use within their clients, all with their brand and all that kind of stuff. So getting those white label clients is huge for us because it doesn't mean we just have one new client. We have, uh, you know, multiple new clients under their brand. So nice. that was a, yeah, that was a big win for us. Um, every time we get a new one, it's, it's big. Um, so you've done, then, this yeah. is, this is going good. So we've got some personal wins at home. You can't beat them cause that's a feel good factor. We've got a business win, which is major by the sounds yeah. of it. Um, go on one more. What have we got? Uh, well, I guess I could one more other win would be uh, in my athletic life. I've actually started playing 
basketball again. I'm a big, I'm actually a basketball coach. I coach uh, high school basketball here. I used to play, but uh, when COVID hit about a couple years ago, I stopped playing. I took about four years off when COVID hit. I had two kids, life was crazy. Mm. Uh, and I didn't play for a while. And last week I actually played basketball two times, which is like a record for me. Uh, and that was a big win for my health, I guess. I love it. And are you going to have to stop me talking about basketball on this episode? Because it was one of the little underlying factors of why I thought I wanted to get you on because I, I used to play a long, long time ago and, I, and I've always loved basketball, particularly the NBA. Um, but I had, I had trained with... How would I compare it to someone in the States or that kind of, like up to sort of college level basketball and I'd really oh, enjoy nice. it. But I don't want to go down that change. I don't yeah. want to go down that route because we could probably spend the whole episode uh, talking about basketball. So, hey, look, that's really good to hear because that's something, you know, to think when you were an athlete um, to finally come back round full circle and sort of pick up a ball, start playing a little bit again. It's got to feel nice, right? Oh, it, it feels nice while you're doing it, but the next day doesn't feel too nice. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it does. It just it's good for the soul. For, you know, for somebody like myself who's been doing it my whole life, to all of a sudden stop playing for four years was pretty hard on the body and just the mind and everything with COVID and everything, all that. And getting out there and playing again is is fun. A little bit of an ego uh, hit when you just can't do the same things you used to be able to do. But mm-hmm. um, I definitely get home feeling good with a big smile on my face i love it so i'm going to build up the i'm going to set the scene um for for our listeners for my listeners here and just bring what you do from the past i guess up till now and and let them hear a little bit about how you've arrived um at where you are now in in life and with business because as you know the focus of this show tends to be around entrepreneurship bringing a business to life but also for me my passion is brand and i love hearing about the journeys that business owners have been on with their own brand um quite you know in depth or as much as as an insight as i can get so i actually quite love to hear you know if you tell a little the listeners you know a little bit about your life what your journey has been like up to this point you've mentioned vid chops but before that you know what went on you've mentioned basketball bring us up you know, bring us a sort of like a little i guess a, f- a five minute roundup if you like if you even want to spend that long on it how have you ended up here sure. yeah so uh about 2009 i just finished playing college basketball at a small school and i got the opportunity to go play in europe uh, so I was flying out to Germany to play for a team. Uh, I guess you could call this semi-professional because uh, the amount of money I was making was not much, less than a thousand dollars a month. I was getting paid. Nice. Uh, I was getting, you know, I was getting a, an apartment and a car to drive and all that kind of stuff. So it was almost like being on scholarship in college again. And and so, anyways, I thought to myself, you know, I wish I could do this forever. Like I just want to play basketball in Europe. But I looked at it and I'm like, well not really making too much money how can i make this possible so i kind of did that first google search that a lot of people do and it was how to make money online so with that search i I went down a rabbit hole and i and i tried a whole bunch of different things to make money online but um eventually i kind of found one resource that said you can make money on youtube and so that's kind of where i got started and I, i i tried a bunch of different things on youtube and in the end, kind of came back to uh, basketball. Okay. So I started creating basketball training videos on YouTube and I created a YouTube channel. And while I was playing in Europe, I created a whole business behind it and and grew that YouTube channel to 200,000 subscribers and, and 20 million views. Uh, and that's kind of how I got started online. I, I released 11 different products through my audience. I grew an email list of 50,000 email subscribers. And uh, yeah, and I, and I made a full-time income on YouTube as a YouTube content creator. And that's kind of where I first started to make money online and kind of got into this whole online business world. Uh, impressive. Yeah. yeah, kudos to you on that because that's no easy feat to do at all. Um, especially, I mean, you didn't even go into the background. Did you have 
any experience in a video or b running a business up to that point no not really i mean i i did mess around with cameras a little bit here and there um in high school when i was like 16 17 18 years old i actually believe it or not uh wanted to be a rapper and so i would make okay. make we, yeah we would make rap songs and i would make beats and i was kind of the producer so i got really good on computers i got really good on the internet finding beats and just all that kind of stuff i really do credit that time of my life to getting good on computers you know i could i could use you know pro tools i, I could use audacity i could use all these different software apps to make music um, so that's kind of where my experience came from. And, you know, I use cameras to record basketball dunk videos and stuff like that. But, yeah. um, when I got started on YouTube, there was definitely a lot of learning I had to do with the cameras and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I had, didn't really have any business experience. I was really just trying to make enough money so I could continue playing basketball and, uh, make that money online. That was kind of my thing. I, I, I really got into the whole idea of the laptop lifestyle and passive income, the four hour work week, mm. you know, all those things that so many people, you know, kind of get sucked into. And, you know, I spent years really not making that much money and, and not really succeeding. Uh, but eventually, uh, uh, as things started to click, I kind of revamped my YouTube channel. I started it, didn't really see much growth, stopped for a little bit, tried other things online, came back to it. Uh, and and then started creating kind of more YouTube friendly content like, hey, guys, what's up? Augie Johnson here. Welcome to Volley Boot Camp. In today's video, you're going to, you know, face the camera when all my other videos were more like just workout videos, not, not really talking to camera. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, at that point, I had some mentors. I had talked to enough people. I'd done enough research. You know, I, I re <clears throat> relaunched that channel. I think it was like 2012. So I started 2009, 2010, didn't see any success, relaunched it about 2012, 2013, uh, and then did that, released one video a week for up to five years uh, and, and was able to see growth. And like I said, had an entire background business uh, be because by the time I relaunched the channel, I, had, I knew about online marketing. Ooh. I knew I needed to build an email list. So from that very first video on the relaunch, I said, hey, hey, if you guys want a free workout, click the link in the description, head over to my website, enter your email, get that free workout, which is called a lead magnet. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I was able to build my email list to 50,000 uh, subscribers all for free from YouTube traffic. Love it. And I think just to hang on something that you mentioned there, which I think might get lost in translation was those time frames uh, that you were talking about there. There was kind of five years worth of growth and time invested into the YouTube channel. And yep. do you feel that that's something that's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, overlooked that amount of dedication that's needed uh, in order to, to, to create a successful YouTube channel that time. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, for anything content in general online, it's, it's a long-term play, right? If you want fast results, then you bet you got to pay for ads. You need to put up some Facebook, YouTube, Instagram ads. That'll get you results quicker, but obviously it costs money. Uh, the other one is, you know, content and it's free and it takes time and, you know, realistically, anything in life, you can really achieve, you know, <clears throat> on a five year basis. So you want to become X, Y and Z in life. Well, if you spend five years doing it, you know, there's a good chance you'll actually succeed. But most people give up after the first, you know, six months or a year of no results. But um, if you're in it for the long term, really for anything, I think you'll, you'll succeed. And it's just something that most people don't or aren't willing to, to do. Yeah, it is. It's that mindset. I don't know if it is a generational thing, but I do feel that people want instant results. Um, it just doesn't work like that at all. Um, yeah, and, and for me, I was lucky because I did get pretty fast results um, because 
this is 2012, 2011, 2013. You know, this is pretty early in the YouTube days. I think YouTube started like 2006 and was bought by yeah. Google in 2009 or something like that. So um, the competition wasn't as fierce back then. And I was able to, you know, get some views and get some results pretty early. I think uh, within the first, I don't know, six months, I had my first $1,000 month. Um, so that was big, big motivation. Thing well, there. therein lies a question that I'll put to you then, because I, when you mentioned um, how long ago it was that you'd set up the channel, I was going to ask you what, what's what been the biggest changes on YouTube for you over those years? What You know, when you think back, was it better? Was it easier back then? You know, what's changed from then to now? Well, I, I would say that it was a little bit easier back then um, because of just the fact there wasn't as much. Like, for example, in my niche, right, I was, I'm creating basketball training videos, how mm. to shoot a basketball, how to dribble a basketball. There was probably like five to ten, maybe ten real ten people doing it at that time, uh, which is not a lot. Right. I mean, five <laughs> to ten. I mean, that's just insane numbers <laughs> when you think about the right. noise that's out there now. Right. So nowadays, right, if you were to say, okay, well, how many basketball trainers are out there making basketball content on YouTube? Like saying it was 10 back then, nowadays it's probably more like 10,000, right? Mm -hmm. So so there's that. But uh, really the other changes that have taken place is just YouTube in general, like the algorithm to get your video ranked for a search term or to get your video promoted by the algorithm through different things, something it's called browse or, you know, recommended, which is basically where you log into YouTube on that homepage, you see a bunch of videos right there. Well, why is YouTube showing you that those videos? Well, because they're very good videos, because when people click on them, they watch all the way through, they share them, they comment, they like all that stuff. So the algorithm has definitely changed since I was first started on there. Um, back in the day when I started, one of the main things was actually called view velocity, which is how many views your video is getting in the first, I think, 48 hours. Okay. And if you're able to drive views to it, then the video would normally do pretty well. And uh, But that's changed. That's not one of the main factors anymore. The, the main factor now is called watch time. It's like basically, you know, how many minutes or how long are people watching that video before clicking off? Uh, and that's the main thing now. Yeah, well, actually, that's a really good segue because I think when you've just said that, um, the watch time, for me, uh, as a brand specialist, you know, whether it's strategy or identity, brand um, is the big thing that I do. And for me, the brand is what will keep people watching. I think the brand is what will help people stay glued to your content, if that's the best way to describe it. I also think that the brand will make people subscribe uh, and keep coming back. I, do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, when you speak about brand on YouTube, you really can think about the person who's on camera, mm. right? Pe like people connect to people. People wanna, you know, build these parasocial relationships, which is basically where you feel like you get to know somebody, even though you're just watching their content. If you were to meet them in person, you would say, oh, hey, how's it going? It's great to see you. And you almost feel like you know them, right? There's this parasocial one-way relationship that gets built with you when you consume content. And that's all part of the brand. You know, you like somebody uh, on, who, who, you like how they delivered the content in a certain way, there's a thousand other options out there you could go to, but you come back to this channel and you consume content from this person because of the brand. Yeah, mm. that personal brand that you connect with that person. So uh, I do think that it does keep people coming back. Um, you know, it does create a professional looking video with if you have your branding all together where, you know, your, your colors match your website, you know, all your digital video assets are all, you know, very tightly organized and put together very well. Yeah. It does help. Yeah. Elaborate a little bit because I, I, I think I'm, I probably know a few, but I'm keen to hear from someone like yourself, what would you class as perhaps the top five or, you know, a, a top list of elements the top five elements that you would make sure are on point for your brand 
in terms of video, what are we looking at first? What should we make sure we get right? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say you'd want all of your, you know, little pop-ups and text and lower thirds to all have the same font, right? We're talking about these digital video assets that we've all seen on YouTube. Uh, your end card at the end of your video, something that pops up and says, you know, hey, click this video to watch this video next. Um, all that stuff, right? All those motion graphics that you see on your video should all have the same font, same colors, should all kind of be lined up together. Uh, that would be the main thing as far as like the branding assets that go into a YouTube video. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, you know, background music and and those kind of things are also important and need to line up uh, with whatever kind of style or, you know, whatever kind of brand you have. Uh, those things should all be kind of, you know, yeah, relate to each other. 100%. Yeah. I think with brand, a lot of people have got different views on brand and some people are as narrow as saying or thinking that their brand is just their logo and of course it's not um some people will think it'll go a little bit further and it might be some fonts and some colors and it's it, it's way beyond that when yeah. we talk in podcast or as you know in terms of video there's visual brand cues as well so you may i guess light yourself in a signature way you may um have a set with a backdrop in a certain way are these all things that you know you should consider from day one or do they kind of appear over time how does that pan out or what do you advise yeah, I mean, if, if, if you're planning on starting a youtube video the first step is learn right because it is complicated it's not easy to create great videos because you know, a lot of people pitch the, the whole, all you need is a cell phone and you can create a great ch YouTube channel, but you need the fundamentals, right? You need good audio, you need good lighting, you need a good set, like you mentioned behind you, and you need to be able to script your videos and create good videos that keep people watching. And that's all part of it. It's not just about hitting record and, and start talking, although some people can get away with that. <laughs> Um, but that takes years of practice. And that's a crazy thing about creating YouTube videos is that, and I'm sure you found it with podcasting as well, is that you get so much better over time. At first, you're just terrible. And that's why you can go to pretty much any famous YouTubers channel and scroll all the way back to their very first videos. And you'll notice that they're terrible. They're just not good. Uh, at least they're not as good as they are now. And, and that's fine. So what I would say is, is start by learning so that you get the fundamentals and then just start recording from there. Because once you do have the good audio, the lighting and stuff, you're just going to continue to get better and, and improve and improve and improve. And eventually you won't have to focus on those kind of things, lighting, backdrop. And at that point, you're starting to focus on, okay, how do I create better video topics, better video thumbnails, better titles, and just better content in the video to keep people watching. Because like I said, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I agree. And I think the the, the biggest hurdle um, that most people probably come up against is the first video. It's like that first jump off point of either getting the courage to do it or perhaps even coming up with the right idea that you feel passionate about. Um, I, I certainly know from a podcasting perspective that because you're about to embark on something that is going to take up a substantial amount of time and effort, you need to make sure that that is the right thing that you want to get stuck into. Is it the same for YouTube, but on an even bigger scale? Yeah, I would say so. I, I would say, you know, the best advice I have is just to have a document that can keep track of all your ideas. So when you do sit down to record a video, you have, you know, 20 ideas in front of you. You can just pick one and, and just go with it, you know. And then when it comes to scripting your video and creating the video, like I would say, just keep it simple, you know. You want a hook at the beginning, so type up a word-for-word -word hook, one sentence, two sentence, that's going to keep the viewer engaged. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, three or four bullet points after that. Each bullet point can have two or three sub-bullet points. And there you go. Now you got a script. And whatever you're talking about, you should 
be an expert in that field, or at least not an expert, but at least be knowledgeable, uh, more knowledgeable than somebody who never heard about it before, right? And then you can just go with the script and just go with it and just see how it turns out. And you can make mistakes because you can always cut out the mistakes in the editing process uh, and just get through the video, you know, complete the video. Yeah, I, I like that one of, of, you know, thinking, don't think too much about the mistakes and I I actually like there's a few channels I subscribe to and I quite like the fact that it's almost uncut and that they're being honest and open and if they don't have their words perfect I find that an endearing kind of trait for a the, the the guy producing the video but it makes me just feel like they're normal you know it's not yeah. a, a, a polished piece of work and that's something that i look for everyone's different um and just uh, one thing i was going to say which actually comes back to brand is from my point of view tell me what you think this is what i'm quite keen to hear your opinion is don't copy other people be yourself yeah yeah i mean that's huge it's it's one of the biggest problems actually on youtube is uh you know certain creators especially the big ones uh like mr beast who is you know creates kind of like quirky yeah. kid kid type content but the thing about him is like he'll come out with a video and then ten thousand other people will copy that exact same video with the exact same thumbnail and all that um and that's kind of that's not cool you know like i think it's okay to get inspiration from other people and that kind of is a best practice on youtube is people will let's say i have a a, a youtube channel in the basketball training world mm -hmm. if i go to another youtube channel and i sort through their videos uh who's also a basketball trainer and i find the most popular video is about shooting a left-handed layup let's just say yeah then i should i can go and make a a video about how to shoot a left-handed layup with my own tips and my own kind of twist on the video and that that's a good actually a good strategy because uh it's been proven that people want this video topic it's the most viewed video on this other channel but at the same time you have to have your own twist on it because the, the whole copying stuff online is just ridiculous and it yeah. gets to the point now where it's like it's all people do like like so people will start new channels or new businesses or new anything online and it's just a straight clone of another business and um and it's I, just unethical yeah i think but beyond that it doesn't give you a brand and you're only mm -hmm. putting yourself off to well you put yourself in a bad light but you're also giving yourself a false start because you're not being yourself and you'll falter because you can only put the act on for so long. Um, plus, the people that will engage in your content will actually really want to watch the person who did it first because that's the real brand that started it all. So, you know, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, in my opinion, if you're not original Um you know in who or what you are so I, I yeah and the thing too is crazy is like you know like let's say i have a weight loss youtube channel and i'm 50 pounds overweight okay i'm, I'm a big guy i'm overweight but i want to start a weight loss channel but i feel like who's going to listen to me L there's all these other channels out there where these guys are buff and that's where people are going to go but that's the thing is that you don't know is that people will like your content better than they'll like those other people's content they'll just resonate with you for whatever reason and uh they'll relate to you for whatever reason and they will go to you over other people and that's kind of part of your brand right mm. is you know hey i'm 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 looking to lose weight i'm struggling you know follow my journey you know work out with me and and you know, yeah. I found that with the basketball training stuff, you know, a new trainer would come on and he'd be like, whoa, this guy played in the NBA and and all this. Who's ever going to listen to me now? But the thing is, is, you know, some guys are like myself and they want to learn from me because they're short, 
guys that are unathletic that you know can't jump and uh for whatever reason they were and they're just like me you know so uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad that, I, it, yeah <laughs> that's what i say i'm glad you're not still in basketball because you've just done yourself um a disjust an unjust fit. <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't bring don't take don't pick me coach i'm unathletic and i can't jump there you go. Yeah, I think my NBA dreams are, are gone in about, I don't know, seventh or, or eighth grade. Uh, but but yeah, you get what I'm saying, right? Like people, no matter who you are, what you are, you will build your brand. And a lot of it's personal brands on YouTube, right? Yeah. And people will, will come to you for the advice because they relate to you and they like you. So that's all I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Uh, there's an Oscar Wilde quote, which I talk about, which a lot of people know, which is be yourself because everybody else is taken. And that's an yep. Oscar Wilde quote, so I think that's definitely worth throwing then in there at that point. Um, the, there's a couple of things I want to move on to. Um, in terms of the video stuff and the brand side of things, I just was I was going to ask, are there like, is there a set of common mistakes that you see through vid jobs, your clients? What mistakes are people making? daily weekly when it comes to their brand and, and video yeah the, the biggest mistake that we see is just consistency people get all excited and they they get their first four videos done and then they just stop and that's never going to get to get you to where you want to go so i would say that's probably the biggest mistake uh the other mistakes that i i see are are just normally like videography mistakes when it comes to actually recording the video like for example, you can get great video off your iPhone. Mm. You know, iPhones are great. If you have, like I said, if you have the fundamentals, some lighting, uh, what's called depth behind you, you want to, you know, you don't want to stand right in front of a wall. You want to have a lot of depth behind you. Uh, these are all fundamentals that you need to have. But the problem is, is that people a lot of times will ignore the audio side and they will they're, they'll be in a big echoey room where the audio sounds all echoey and then they expect us to fix it you know at vid chops like hey can you fix the audio it's like you just can't fix that you know mm -hmm. we can do some things we can improve it a little bit but you know if you're going to record on an iphone without an external microphone or anything then you got to kind of crowd the the camera you got to get kind of close so that you're yeah. closer to the microphone um there are some ways around it you want to put up you know you want to record in a carpeted room not a big uh empty garage or something like that <laughs> um but yeah those are those are kind of the, the other mistakes that i would say and then besides that i would say just not having hooks right like not having a like they're scripting like not having a hook at the beginning not asking people to subscribe not asking uh people to continue to watch another video yeah. those kind of calls to actions are actually important and you know i've seen studies where people say okay in this video i'm not going to ask anybody to, subs to subscribe and you know they might get five subscribers over the past month in this next video i'm going to blatantly ask two times for them to subscribe and instead of five subscribers on that video they get like 50. and so like it really really helps to ask to have those calls to action yeah and i think that's something that people forget on well certainly on podcasts as well is to yeah. to repeat yourself and it, you might be feel like you're repeating yourself but you don't know when that first when it's a first time listener they could just be landing on that one episode and so it's not repetition to them plus there's the audience that are you know maybe a week into listening to your backlog catalog of videos or your your audio and it's it slowly starts to hit home and then they engage and so you really you are right there that that repetition that consistency which you said is a word uh it's important um and and do it in the right way don't you know maybe you don't have to be cheesy about it do it in your own way to say look if you've liked what you've watched hit subscribe and you know come back and check out the next video type of thing so, exactly yeah look i i want to just I think I'm quite keen to find out a little bit more about vid chops um, and I'll give you a chance to kind of explain why that business exists um, yeah. and a little bit more about what it does. So, 
you know, tell us what VidChops is and, and how long's that been going for you from a business perspective? Yeah, I'll give you the background. So kind of to complete the story from earlier, I was a YouTuber. I was creating content consistently for five years, didn't miss a single week uh, upload. And I also, like I said, had 11 products. A lot of these products were digital products, like uh, almost like a course, you mm -hmm. know, the 12 week shooting program, the 12 week vertical leap program. And those things had a ton of videos, like, you know, 50 videos in each program. So I was flooded with video editing. I was editing all the time and I was talking to my YouTuber friends and, and all that kind of stuff. And everyone seemed to be, be kind of pissed off that they have to edit so much and they were sick of editing <laughs> myself as well. Uh, so I was kind of getting to the point of burning out on all on this whole YouTube journey, kind of looking to see what's next. And I said, okay, well, why don't I go ahead and solve this video editing issue for YouTubers? Because what most YouTubers had to do was either hire an editor here locally, you know, they might put a, something in the Craigslist and pay, you know, a couple hundred bucks per edit, or tried to hire a freelancer online. Uh, and so what I did is I launched VidChops, which allows you to add an editor to your team for a, a monthly flat rate. So uh, they can pay, it's almost like a software subscription. And you now have an editor where all you got to do is record your footage, upload it to us, and then we will edit uh, the video and send it back to you in two days. And then you can review it and ask for revision or approve it or whatever. Uh, and so, yeah, so I launched that company uh, in 2017, uh, September of 2017. Uh, and I just kind of used all my knowledge that I'd learned over the past, you know, five, six years learning online, how to start an online business and all that. I had been reading books and uh, one of the biggest books that influenced me is called The Seven Day Startup by Dan Norris. Yeah, yeah. It's a great book. He started a company called WP Curve, which is kind of the same thing. It's called a productized service where you take a service for him. It was... WordPress website support. If you want to make a change to your WordPress website, mm -hmm. uh, you could just pay a monthly subscription to them. And anytime you want to make a change to your website, you would just shoot them an email or whatever, and then they would have a developer that would fix it or change it. And I kind of took that idea and uh, ran with it and said, hey, I can do this for VidChops and had that idea actually for a long time and finally executed on it in, in 2017. That's awesome. Well. Congrats on that. I'm, I'm keen to hear because you've, in in business journey terms, you've lasted. You know, like you said earlier on, it's that first twelve months um, that are the most challenging. But here you are. Um, what did you say? Six years in, and yeah, going from you know strength to strength. What what's been the hardest part up to this point? for you in terms of the business? Um, I, I don't know. The, the hardest part has probably been just building such a big team because video editing is, is it's a challenging thing in, in regards to what we do because it's not like other services like, for example, copywriting where a client could sign up, I could have somebody write a blog for them and then a different person can write the next blog and a different person can write the next blog. You know, there's not a lot of upfront work. With us, you know, we need to do a lot of upfront work. When someone signs up, we need to take a look at their YouTube channels, their past content. We need to build out the branding deck. We need to create all the digital assets like we spoke about earlier, right? All mm. the, the video assets. Um, and then we can't just switch editors on every single video we really have to have a dedicated editor that goes with that person so that they can kind of learn their style learn what they do like what they don't like because video is very variable there's so many variables in video you know someone could say the same thing twice our editor could keep one that they thought was better but then the person likes the other one better uh it needs a revision so um yeah we have a large team and our team is about 50 people uh, now, so that's big. That's yeah. That's probably been the hardest part is just you know hiring, and then when people quit, having to rehire, mm. um, or as we grow, just continue to hire, 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 and manage um, all these people. It seems like we're a software because it's a, a flat month and flat monthly subscription, and you just 
submit your video and then it comes back edited, but it's, it's real, real people behind the scenes. No, I think that's, um, it's admirable to, to hear that you've taken the business that far. Uh, and, and the business side of things, that's something that I've said, it does fascinate me. Um, before I concentrated solely on brand, um, my side hustle, which I, it's, I suppose it was similar to your basketball training videos is I have a passion in art. So I have uh, drawn a lot of different art. I call it like geek art or gaming art, fan art. That's a probably a better term. Um, and I set up an online store, built uh, an email list, got subscribers and started to sell my art as prints to people. And that... yeah was a, a learning curve it was my kind of a little entrepreneurial journey to say look you could do this um and then that led me into you know, having the business that i have now and it's not comparable to what you have it i am i'm a one-man band uh, you know call me a consultant call me a specialist um, but I don't have a team of 50 people to manage. And when I hear those numbers, that, that gives me an instant headache of like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, I'm getting to hear from you about, I mean, you list out things like YouTubers online and online personalities, thought, thought leaders as some of your core audience that you deal with. Yeah. Without giving names away, who's the? Have you got any big names on the books? Can you like? Pay? Yeah, yeah. Like over the years, um, we've had a lot of clients come and go, and we've de we've dealt with some really big names. Um, one of the biggest creators that we've ever worked with, I think, is is Jose Zuniga. He uh this is when he, we first started this is a long time ago we we worked with him but um it's been fun to watch his journey because he probably has over 10 million subscribers now and he has multiple channels and he's built a, a business which i've heard him mention in a podcast that does over 10 million a year um, but he is like a fashion youtuber men's fashion um and like I said, it was a long time ago at this point that we worked with him. But I always just think of him first because uh, I saw when he we he first signed up with us, he was about two million subscribers, uh, and now he's he's grown so big. He outgrew us basically. He has a whole video editing in-house video editing team now and all that. Um, but if you look at our website, we have a ton of testimonials and stuff from from people with a million subscribers, uh, and even helped some people grow to. Um, you know, a million subscribers from, you know, a hundred thousand subscribers all the way to a million subscribers. Um, you know, we have a testimonial on there from Brian G. Johnson, who's one of the top YouTube experts. Uh, but yeah, I mean, over the years, it's hard for me to just, there's a, there's been yeah, a yeah. lot of people, but, um, just, yeah. just me being nosy, you know, I like to yeah. know, <laughs> I like to hear if there's any uh, name dropping. I, but... I would say, I would say that, um, for us, like our sweet spot is people that are anywhere from like a hundred thousand to like maybe a million subscribers. Uh, at that point, you know, we're a very affordable solution for them that works well for them, that saves them time, gets them high quality edits. But these YouTubers, man, at some point they, they get so big where they're not going to be handling any of this kind of stuff they're not going to be submitting videos to VidChops. they're going to have a, a, a videographer yeah, yeah that's going to hold the camera and it's going to record it they're going to have that person's also going to be like a uh, creative director right that's going to manage a couple editors that are in-house mm -hmm. and uh man it's crazy these how much some of these youtubers actually make yeah it does intrigue me because it's all the it, you know it's not something that my generation I don't, that's not that's not fair to say that I don't know about it. I do, but my I've got a son who's eleven and he's grown up knowing nothing more, nothing right. else other than YouTube. It's how he consumes video content. He doesn't yep. watch TV in the traditional sense that I grew up with, right? And so, it you know, as a parent, um, you you're stuck in this zone of saying to them, just 
go watch some normal TV. But that <laughs> is normal to them, right? And then you might say to them one day, well, you know, what are you going to do when you, if you've got, you know, ideas for what you want to be? And he'll say, well, I want to be a YouTuber. Well, yeah. who am I to stop him? That's a perfectly valid career if you do it right. Yeah, totally. And the crazy thing is that these YouTubers are getting way more views than these TV shows are getting nowadays, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's like YouTube is actually where you want to be. Like if I was to say, if I was a film filmmaker and I said, all right, I want to get, I want to reach the most amount of people. Well, you, you can do that on YouTube. You're not going to do that as much with a TV show or even a movie sometimes, which is crazy to say, but the, we're talking about the top, top YouTubers, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a valid career now and it's, it's not an easy one. And uh, you got to go about it the right way because you know, you hear about YouTube burnout and you, it's, you know, it's, it's so like discouraging sometimes to put a month of work into creating a video that just gets no traction. Mm. So, you know, I would say to those that say, Hey, I want to be a YouTuber. It's like, all right, good. Tell me you want to be a YouTuber after you've created a hundred videos, then, you know, then, then go ahead and say, Hey, you know, I want to be a YouTuber because at that point you've proven that you can actually do it. Because what most people say is I want to be a YouTuber. They create five videos and then they never do it again. So, yeah, no, that. it's the same with podcasting. You've, you've, got to, you've got to stick with it. You've got to yep. enjoy it. We said that earlier. Um, if you don't pick that, that content or that subject, well, the subject and the content that's right for you to commit the time, then you, you're not going to, you're not going to succeed because you'll give up. Um, a topic of the moment is AI and I wanted to bring it up because does AI in video exist do you hear do you hear about it I mean tell what's going on in video and AI world Oggy tell us what's going on yeah so right now um, there's a lot of different things that AI is doing kind of the, the most practical ones right now is jump cutting. Okay. So what a jump cut is, is where, you know, it's a common editing tactic on YouTube where there's a lot of cuts, cutting out all the dead space. Uh, and so, you know, in one click, you can now do that like in Adobe Premiere, which is a video editing software. Mm-hmm. So th- those kind of uh, applications of AI, I think are great because it just makes the editing part quicker. Um, but you know the other ones there's that software app called descript which allows you to upload a video and you can use it for podcasting too it'll automatically create the transcript and then you can go through and delete out things in the transcript right we're talking about the actual text and then it'll automatically delete that out of the video so uh for example i could go in there and yeah just delete out i didn't want to say this i didn't want to say this and then it'll automatically edit that together there's some ai work in there um, but as you know, like with chat GPT and all these things, like AI is really kind of taking over the the copywriting space more so than anything else. And we're starting to see it in design as well with uh, what's it called? Mid Journey or yeah. other ones, Jasper. But it's not quite, I don't know. I, I, I've seen some good product markups and stuff, but from what I've seen and I've used it a little bit, just messing around, it's it's a little bit hard to get exactly what you're looking for. You can get close, but you can't get exact. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I'm always open to new stuff when it comes out. And I do think with, with what AI is, with a lot of the AI projects out there, if you're, uh, what's the word, naive or not open, to the to the possibilities then you'll get left behind so i do like to look at what they do and i played around with mid journey i think it's quite interesting like you've said if you don't you're just you've got to tell it in the right way you've got to explain to this thing this ai what you want otherwise you're just not quite going to get what you want um yeah but it's really exciting. I quite, I'm quite in, intrigued by it all um, to see where it goes. I feel like we're on this, this, we're at this dawn of this new stage of. Like, I want, you know, like when the internet came out, 
And it's like, whoa, I can send an email all the way around the world. Uh, you know, it's like almost that same feeling, but kind oh, yeah. of splayed sp- out into all the different industries that now exist. So I'm quite fascinated by where it's going. Um, yeah, there's a big AI boom that's happening right now. And it, it's, you know, it's like when video was all of a sudden able to go online. Oh, you can watch videos online. Okay, it's kind of mm-hmm. slow and has to buffer and then it gets better. And then it's, you know, whatever. Oh, now you can live stream, right? We can live stream. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a little choppy and then it gets better. And then like right now it's like AI. Oh, wow. But it's going to get better, you know. Absolutely. Look, I've got a couple of questions. Again, I like to ask guests on the show each episode a bit of like a defining question but if if you met yourself 10 years ago what would you say to yourself so pick the scenario i don't know where you'd be in 10 years but 10 years back you come across yourself and what advice what are you gonna what are you gonna say to yourself well i think the the biggest thing i would tell myself is just to make sure that I invest in people and continue to try to build relationships with people because especially with vid chops, like I got to the point where I was over my head as far as how much work I could do and really my abilities as a, as a creative, as a video editor. And and I was like, okay, I need to start hiring more. I need to find a marketing director. I need to find all this. And lucky for myself, I found all the right people. I found an incredible marketing director, incredible operations manager, and I and I started hiring, uh, which I was reluctant to do because I started VidChops as the only editor, and right. I got to the point where I maybe had one other editor working with me, and we had you know ten clients, and and it was hard. And I would probably tell myself hire earlier and and find the right people. Uh, because I think that gives you exponential growth. Like if you add the right person to your team, it's not just going to double your abilities, but it could actually triple or quadruple your abilities just by adding one of one person. So mm-hmm. for me, that's um, my best advice to myself. I like it. I like it. Some people go all, all deep on that type of um, question, but you just kept it real there. I'm, 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 I like practical. it. Practical. You know, it's Monday. We've got to be practical. Practical answer for a Monday. Won't make any difference to this content when it's out there, but you know, people could be listening on a Saturday. Anyway, um, okay, I want you to pick. I like people to choose a boldest brand for each episode. Now, Long-time listeners will know that, but that brand—it's just a brand that does it for you. Um, boldest is just a word that I put up there. It could it could be a brand that over the years you've always stuck with? It could just be something that inspired you in the last week. But you know, who do you want to choose for the episode? It's your call. Who's your boldest brand? Yeah, I think I'll have to go with Nike because of a few reasons. Nike, obviously creates a lot of basketball shoes and stuff. It's been in my world ever since I was a little kid. And as a little kid, I was maybe, let's just say 13, 12 years old. And at that time I was looking around and, you know, what kind of basketball shoes do I want to buy? And, and I looked around, there was a lot of options, you know, Converse, Reebok, Adidas, um, I don't know, Fila. There was a lot of different options back then. And Actually, back then, I was more of a, a Reebok guy. Reebok had uh, a sponsorship with Allen Iverson. I was Allen about Iverson. to say, Reebok and <laughs> Iverson, come on. <laughs> yeah, man. That, that was my favorite player. Uh, and so I wore I wore Reeboks. Um, but the reason I select Nike right now as, as the, the best brand is because now look at the landscape. Now look at the, the shoes that you can buy. Converse basketball shoes, you don't really see them. No. Fila basketball shoes, not at all. Reebok basketball shoes, you don't see them. No. But who's stood the test of time? Nike. And who else? Adidas, yes. I would say Adidas and Nike are the two top dogs. Um, but a lot of people have come in and tried to enter the basketball shoe world and failed. Um, there's a there's a brand in, in China. I can't remember what it's called, but Dwayne Wade was one of them, one of their guys. All right. Um, Under Under Armour has yeah. been a, is a good one that's entered the space, and 
and they built a good brand and I think they have a good basketball shoe and people do wear it. And why do they wear it? Well, Steph Curry, right? So they, they got this guy, Steph Curry at the time was a small name in the NBA, right? Not too many people knew Steph Curry. He signs with Under Armour. Nike probably passed on him. And and that has just that fact alone, because Steph Curry is now one of the greatest players, has helped Under Armour stay in the game. Um, but still, the top dog is who? Nike. And to them, they've built, it's all because of their brand, right? It is because of the brand. Yeah, quality of shoes is good and all that kind of stuff's good. But I wouldn't say that you could easily say it's better than, than Under Armour or, or these other brands, but they're, branding is better lebron james uh i don't even know all the names but no um but it's you know the, they've been able to do that it's the feeling as well and, and the reputation that goes with it the heritage you know you put on a pair of nikes and it could be any one of those names uh assimilated to that brand um and that's a, we're only talking about one particular sport you know right Every sport has these flagship athletes that are more that, that are assimilated to, to Nike. You know, there will be a, I wouldn't have thought there wouldn't have been a sport that isn't assimilated to Nike. Um, and that is a hallmark of a successful brand in, in my eyes. Yeah. I always like to there's a brand that I, I find particularly inspirational. I'm kind of flipping on to my own boldest brand here, but um, Red Bull. It's one that oh, yeah. I always bring up with, with clients when we talk about inspirational brand, brands because one thing that, I hate the drink, incidentally, I can't stand it, but <laughs> I find it fascinating and I find it like so um, incredible that that's all it was was a drink and now when you say red bull to somebody it could mean jumping off a bridge and diving in into you know four foot of water or flying a biplane under a bridge and pulling stunts in a you know it's like it's extreme sport it's this that but it was a drink yeah yeah that's crazy because I think that's a good advice for all kinds of brands because what does an energy drink really have to do with extreme sports? And that's what they do. They sponsor all these extreme sport athletes. That's kind of their strategy and and really nothing. So, okay, what is your brand? Well, I have a, I don't know, this kind of product. Let's just make something up. I, I have mugs, coffee mugs. I sell coffee mugs. Okay, well, what niche do you want to enter and you want to sponsor to start building your brand? authors right you could be the you know the coffee mugs for authors yeah. and then you go and you you use that as kind of your your whole marketing plan and then you get all these great authors to be in your ads and support you and all that kind of stuff and yeah i mean i think it's a great strategy you don't have to be in that world you know to necessarily use that as, as part of your marketing or your brand sometimes the brand can lead you there as well i don't you know i don't, I don't know if that was the case with red bull like i wish i knew or i'd actually looked into it a bit more to see if they had that game plan all along but part of me likes to think that the brand became what it is like it kind of evolved into it i love the idea that brand just you know there's a quote by Martin Neumeyer, which is brand is not what you say it is, it's what they say it is. And of course, the mm-hmm. they being the audience. Um, I like the idea that Red Bull just turned into this beast of its own, you know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. So, look, I love the fact that you picked Nike. Of course, who wouldn't? And if you think otherwise, then, you know, this is probably not the show for you. <laughs> but, but Nike, <laughs> great boldish brand. Um, I'm going to round up because I'm checking, looking across at my timeline. We're coming up on that hour mark, believe it or not. And it does this every time um, I have a good guest on and the time flies. Um, So all I really want to say is that I've really enjoyed hearing about your journey, hearing about the challenges that you've faced along the way, the insights that you've shared in terms of brand and, and video and YouTube 
Um, thank you very much for coming on, Augie. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I always love to talk brand and biz, so it was fun for me. Great stuff. Thanks, Augie. So here we are, the end of another episode. Just like to say thank you very much for listening. Really does mean a lot. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave me a review. Love reading comments and feedback from listeners. If you've been listening and think that you would like to find out if your brand has all of the key ingredients to make it stand out from the crowd, don't forget to hit the links button in the player. Yes, this player that you're listening on, which will take you to my brand report. And that will give you a customized report score of your brand straight to your inbox. If you'd like to find out more about myself, visit my website, www.danielocock.com. Again, links are in the show notes. You can book a call with me if you'd like to discuss your next project. The show is available on all major platforms. So don't forget to hit subscribe if you'd like to be updated about future episodes. And remember, if you're not proud of your brand, then how do you expect anyone else to be?